Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of Unmasking a Murderer podcast. I'm Dr. Joni Johnston, a forensic psychologist, private investigator, and host of Unmasking a Murder, a show about the psychology of true crime. I'm launching our podcast with a four-part series on a case that continues to dominate the news and is far from over, that of Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell. One of the interesting things about this four-part series, I think, is that these episodes were written over a 13-month period of time. So if you listen to this series, you can get a real-time look at the events that have taken place, especially the psychological issues that have been raised so far in this case. I hope you enjoy this first episode, which initially aired on YouTube in May of 2020. In this episode, we explore the difference between religious beliefs and delusions. Is there a difference? Is there an overlap? And where do we draw the line? Stay tuned. Hi, everybody. It's Dr. Joni Johnston. Today's case is one that's been in the media constantly over the past six to seven months. It's also an ongoing case. So this is part one of at least two episodes and maybe more depending upon what happens in the future. But I want to spend some time talking about this case because it has some interesting, I think, psychological parts to hit. I read a couple of articles about this case in my Psychology Today blog, and I got some really, really fascinating questions and really interesting questions that I thought might be helpful to talk about today. So on the off chance that you have not heard about this case, let me just give you a little bit of the background here. So this case is centered around, initially, Lori Vallow Daybell, who's a 46-year-old mom, and Chad Daybell, who she married in November of 2019. From what several friends and family members have said, up until the fall of 2018, Lori was a loving wife, a devoted mom. She homeschooled her 17-year-old daughter, Tylee. She was very involved in her son, JJ, who's seven and has autism and was adopted as a baby. So she was a very involved wife and mom. And then in the fall of 2018, she met Chad Daybell. Chad Daybell is known for writing these fiction books in which he talks about prophecies and visions and having near-death experiences and has gone on to say that he believes he has these spiritual gifts and that he is really involved in doomsday prophecy. That seems to be his primary focus, as well as him receiving, according to him, messages um, directly from God about various things that are going to happen and about various people. So Lori meets Chad in 2018, and in early 2019, she basically disappears and leaves, and her husband Charles just has no idea who she's, where she is. So she's married to Charles Vallow. They've been married for a number of years, and he is incredibly concerned about her, has no idea where she is. It seems as if, based on a couple of friends, that she was in Hawaii with Tylee for this period of time. But what we do know is she does come back. Now, when she's gone, Charles files for divorce. And in the divorce papers, he makes some kind of interesting claims. He says that he is very concerned about Lori's mental health. He says that she has told him some very unusual things, such as that she is a 
an assigned God who is there to lead 144,000 chosen people through the second coming of Christ, which will come in July of 2020. And that if he gets in her way of this mission that she has, she will kill him. So he says some pretty alarming things. And he is so concerned that when she returns and she does come back in February, 2019, he tries to get her involuntarily admitted to a psychiatric hospital for an evaluation. Now police look for Lori and they can't find her, but the next day she shows up at a hospital and she is evaluated and apparently she's released. Now Lori and Charles reconcile to some extent. It's not really clear how sincere this reconciliation is based on subsequent events because by July of 2019, they are estranged. Um, Lori is living still in Arizona, which is where the family was living. In July, Charles comes over to pick up JJ, the seven-year-old, to take him to school. Now, at this time, JJ... Tylee, who's the 17-year-old daughter, Alex Cox, who is Lori's brother, Lori and Charles are all there. Police get a call, come to the scene, and Charles has been shot to death. Lori and Alex, and apparently Tylee, all say that Alex and Charles got into an argument that Charles attacked Alex and that Alex shot and killed him in self-defense. At the time, police pretty much accept that this is what happened. No charges are filed. So now Charles is dead. A couple of weeks later, Lori moves Tylee, the 17-year-old, and JJ to Idaho, which happens to be where Chad Dabo lives. In September of 2019, JJ is seen and Tylee is seen for the last time. So to date, nobody has seen Tylee or JJ since September of 2019. In November, JJ's grandparents contact the police in Idaho and ask them to do a welfare check on JJ because they've not been able to get a hold of him. Police go to Lori's house. Chad Daybell is there. They both tell the police what turns out to be a lie, that JJ is in Arizona. Police discover that this is not the truth. They go back to Idaho to confront Lori and discover that Lori and Chad are both gone. They have, so this is in November. Now, one thing I did not mention, which is extremely significant here to date, is that on October the 19th of 2019, Chad Daybell's wife of many years dies suddenly, allegedly in her sleep. So initially, there's no investigation. People kind of assume this is what happened. And so there's a funeral, Tammy's laid to rest, etc. Two weeks later, Lori and Chad get married in Hawaii and are there for a number of months. Now, JJ's grandparents are increasingly concerned about the children. They get a court order in Idaho 
essentially demanding that Lori produce these kids. She doesn't. Eventually, Lori is arrested in Hawaii and transported back to Idaho, where she is sitting in an Idaho jail right now. Now, what's also very concerning, several very concerning things have come to light. So we are waiting to see what is going to happen with this case and praying and hoping that these children are tucked away somewhere and not missing permanently, which is something that I'm super concerned about for a number of reasons. One of them being that Melanie Pulowski is Lori Vallow Daybell's niece. She also became very involved in Chad Daybell's teachings. Now, Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell were both raised as Mormons. And they are still members of that church. And so what's kind of interesting about this is that the teachings that, that Chad was espousing are apparently very inconsistent with the teachings of the Mormon church. At the same time, this group, as it turns out, of people who were very involved in these doomsday prophecies and the 144,000 people reuniting and you know, we're operating kind of as a subgroup within the church. So it wasn't necessarily what we might think of as a cult. It wasn't a group of people who had gone out to the wilderness and were, you know, part of a fringe group. These are really people who were still attending regular church and yet were, were also embracing some unusual beliefs. Melanie Pulowski, who also was part of this group with her aunt, Lori, has since told her husband that she was told by Lori and Chad that essentially the spirits or the souls of JJ and Tylee had been removed. And that they, they had even been take, either been taken over by some kind of a demon or some kind of slug or whatever. Now, what is concerning about that obviously is the potential implications for if you think that these are not really your children any longer, if you think the end of the world is coming, it might be easier to consider options for what you might do with them that you would never consider if you were, if you didn't have those beliefs. Um, and I guess what I'm saying is it might make it much easier to decide to do away with them, for example. So we don't know that. Again, Lori and Chad are saying that the children are fine. And like I said, nobody would be happier than I would be to find out that that's the case. But there have been several things that are so concerning that we'll just have to see how they play out. But let me get to the psychology part of all this. So that's the backdrop, which is just um, it, it's kind of hard to believe. One thing I didn't even mention is that in December, of 2019, Alex Cox, who is Lori's brother, who was the person, again, who shot and killed Charles, Lori's ex-husband, died under mysterious circumstances. So now we have Alex Cox, who's dead. We have Tammy Daybell, Chad's wife, or former wife, who's dead. We have Lori's former husband, who's dead. And now we have two children who are missing and unaccounted for. One of the questions I got from 
one of the readers of my Psychology Today blog was talking about, could these be religious delusions? Um, Some of these beliefs obviously are not mainstream beliefs of many churches, and they certainly are not of the church that Lori and Chad Daybell go to. So could these be religious beliefs? Also, as we've already mentioned, her husband, Charles, was so concerned about her mental health that he was trying to get her involuntarily committed to the hospital. So let's talk about that. So a delusion is basically a fixed false belief. It's a belief that develops and that persists in spite of any evidence to the contrary. I mean, one of the things that a lot of new psychologists will do sometimes if they're in an inpatient unit, it's not uncommon to see interns, for example, uh, myself included, who just thought, hey, if I just talk to this person and I present the evidence or I kind of present a counter argument that's a good one, this person is going to understand that their thinking is just unclear that they're paying attention, for example, to information that's not relevant or they are misperceiving things. So for example, I once had um, a patient many years ago who believed the government was monitoring her and surveilling her and constantly in her business, basically. It was very distressing to her. And every time an airplane would fly overhead or a helicopter would fly overhead, I wouldn't even notice it. She would immediately tune into that. And of course, for her, that was confirming evidence that there was another surveillance taking place. So when you're talking about a delusion, it's not something that somebody just, you know, gives up if you present counter evidence. Now, so a person who has a true delusion is somebody who is not going to listen to evidence to the contrary necessarily. It's a false fixed belief. Now, obviously, people who have very strong religious beliefs can also be very resistant to looking at alternative explanations. And so when we look at religious delusions, typically we're talking about a mental illness. And so there are certain mental illnesses, particularly those that involve psychosis, so mania, when somebody has bipolar disorder and has a manic episode or schizophrenia, when somebody is actively psychotic, religious delusions are actually very common, you know, from a a third or a quarter to, you know, up to 30 to 40% of individuals who have a severe mental illness that involves psychosis will at some point develop a religious delusion. And that Typically, it could be anything from, I think that I'm Jesus, I think that I'm God, I'm a saint, um, I'm possessed by the devil, um, I'm, there are warring alien beings who are spiritual, who are fighting in my body. So it can be lots of different things, but it's a result of a mental illness. And we think what happens, we don't know exactly what causes delusions, but we think there's some kind of brain misfiring and that the normal processing and information that we take in to make sense of things gets out of whack. And so the person begins to develop beliefs and then looks for evidence and distorts evidence to kind of confirm that. Now, that is different from somebody who develops beliefs that are part of a religious community. So we know that Lori uh, Ballow Daybell shared the same beliefs that Chad Daybell does or did. And of course, as a matter of fact, 
it sounds like he influenced her significantly in developing those beliefs. We also know that there were, there were other people who were subscribing to these beliefs as well. So legally, it's kind of interesting. These beliefs can look similar from a psychological standpoint, but legally, the courts have pretty consistently made a distinction between somebody who has unusual religious beliefs no matter how unusual they are, no matter how bizarre they are, and somebody who is under the influence of a mental illness. I think the courts tend to look at this as, okay, you can't help it. I can't help it if I have schizophrenia, if I have mania, if I have schizoaffective disorder. Nobody can help that. That is something that is this person has but did not cause. They didn't choose to develop this diagnosis. They didn't choose to have these symptoms. On the other hand, courts have pretty consistently said that religious beliefs, no matter, again, how unusual, how bizarre, are a choice. And because they're a choice, the courts have pretty consistently said they are not a defense if somebody performs a criminal act as a result of those false beliefs, if they are, again, religious beliefs. So, for example, if, you know, God forbid, if Tylee and JJ suffered some tragic outcome because Lori or Chad or both or her Lori, Chad and Alex, we don't know believed that these really were not her children. These were children who had been inhabited or possessed by either an evil spirit or something else and decided to put them out of their misery or save them in some way. That might be true in terms of their beliefs, but from a legal standpoint, that would likely not be a defense for them. So, that's, that's the psychology part of it I wanted to talk about. Of course, from a human standpoint, I'm so hopeful that my misgivings about this case are wrong. And I will be so happy to come on and say, I really thought that something very tragic had happened to these kids and I was completely wrong. So let's just keep our fingers crossed that's the case. Um, I'm going to come on and talk about ins- the insanity defense um, in a shortly, not today, but in a, in a future ep- episode about this particular case, because it, I think it would be interesting to talk about when do people plead insanity. And again, if you're operating under these beliefs that are not true, but that drive your behavior, should this be considered um, you know, a, an insanity defense? All right. Stay safe. Take care of your physical and mental health. We're living in very difficult times, and I look forward to talking to you again. Please, comments at the bottom, questions at the bottom. I'd love for you to subscribe if you like this content. Thanks so much to people who consistently uh, watch this and make such nice comments or just give me feedback. And also, if there's a case that you're interested in me covering or us talking about, please suggest it. See you next time.